James chapter 1, verse 17. Sorry, Chad. Um, and let's read it together about him being our heavenly father. Every generous act, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights. With him, there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. Uh, let's pray. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation, Lord, if you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. Lord, you uh, see all of us today, but you see me differently. I'm, uh, I'm your teacher, your preacher, and on me is a greater judgment than anybody in this room, a more strict judgment. And I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. So in the name of Jesus, I pray his name that I preach. Amen. You can be seated. It's good to see you. We're going to be talking about Father's Day, but beyond the earthly father realm to our heavenly father and what a good father he is to us. When Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, it's called the model prayer. It's in Matthew 6. And he, he begins by teaching them to pray to their heavenly father. But he uses the word Abba. Now, we're not talking about the, the band from the 80s, okay? Uh, but we're talking about Abba. And it, it's, a, it's an intimate term. It means daddy. And it does have a picture of an earthly relationship between a father and a child. You need to approach him like you would your dad. He's your, he's your heavenly father. In Luke 15, there are three stories about something being lost. One of them is a sheep, and the shepherd goes and finds the sheep. One of them is a lady has lost a coin in the house, and she sweeps the whole house to be able to find it. The third story is a son who is sowing his wild oats and uh, legally gets his inheritance early. He has more, mind, more money than he does mind, and he goes and wastes every bit of it. He ends up hungry. He ends up feeding pigs and being so hungry that he is craving the food that he's feeding the pigs. I've never been that hungry because I fed pigs. Now here's part of the story. Uh, Jesus is preaching to a Jewish audience. And if you know Jewish tradition at all, they're not around pigs or pork. So the fact that he's even working with pigs is one thing. The fact that he's craving their food is yet a deeper meaning. And so he, he has nowhere to go. Maybe I can go back home. Maybe I can go back to my dad's house and maybe he'll take me as a servant. And so he heads back to his dad's house and he sees a dad that's been looking for him the whole time. And when he sees his son, the scripture has him running to his son. Another important point. The patriarch back then didn't run to anybody. He, they, everybody ran to him. The fact that we've got a dad running to a wayward son is a big part of the story. So we have a heavenly father who runs to us. Isn't that beautiful? That's beautiful. And then not everybody's had a dad like I had. Not everybody has. I wish they did. But the Lord takes care of that. 
because he said, I have become a father. Will y'all finish it with me? To the fatherless. It's a beautiful picture of him being our heavenly father. Um, whether you agree with it or not, like it or don't like it, I have uh, mapped out my preaching from now to next June of 2024. And no, I didn't do it without prayer and guidance. But when I look at what I have mapped out for the upcoming year, I, I, I see a reoccurring theme in everything that I believe the Lord is mapping out for me. And that is, it's spending time with our Heavenly Father. We don't run from Him, we need to be running to Him. Not from Him, to Him. So I wanna give you a picture today. We honor earthly fathers, and if you can, that's great. But I'm giving you a picture of our Heavenly Father, and I wanna start with James chapter one, verse five. We're predominantly gonna be in, in, the, in James' writing today. He says, now, I want you to see the giving nature of, of our Heavenly Father. If any of you lacks wisdom, he, sh he should ask God, who gives to all generously without criticizing. Criticizing is a big word because criticizing can be a lot of what we do today. You gotta watch critical spirits. You gotta watch them. Without criticizing, and it will be given to him. And uh, if this verse does not help you on your ACT test, if you're going to look into a college entrance, entrance exam, it, this is not gonna help you on your calculus test, okay? It's not gonna help you in this. We don't use this verse this way. We're not, we're not going, I didn't study, Lord, give me the answers. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the wisdom that it takes in living life in getting through troubled times. When you read chapter one, it's, it's the same James that says, count it all joy when you go through trials and tribulation because of what he does for you. So he gives you wisdom to live a life he desires for you. This is what we're talking about here. Now, you're going, is there any other kind of wisdom? Oh yes, James three, 13 through 18, says there is another kind of wisdom, one you and I should avoid. I'm gonna spend a little bit of time on, on this one here. Said, so who is wise and has understanding among you? Uh, he should show his works by good conduct with wisdom's gentleness. But if you have bitter envy, selfish ambition in your heart, don't brag and lie in defiance of the truth. Look, here's the other wisdom. Such wisdom does not come from above. You remember when I started in verse 17 with the text that all good things, good and perfect things come from God from above? He's saying this wisdom does not come from above. It's earthy and it's earthly, which is fleshy. It's sensual, which includes sexual, and it is demonic. You need to see that. Now, my, my theology goes pretty deep when it comes to what we're handling here. Uh, they had it in their time and we have it in our time. But there's a lot of demonic oppression going on. You're going, what's causing the chaos? What's causing the craziness? What's causing the confusion? It's this. It's earthly living with earthly, sensual, and demonic wisdom. That's what's happening. That's what's causing it all around it. James mentions it way back then. 
And we even can take it and mention it even today. Verse 16, for where envy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder. Do you hear that? And every kind of evil. It's, it's not in unity like you think it is. Uh, so, so, verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure. You hear that? It's not getting rid of the sensual. It's peaceful, peace-loving, it's gentle, compliant, full of mercy, good fruits without favoritism and hypocrisy. And the fruit of, fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. And we want to be people of peace as best we can. In fact, scripture says, as best as you can live, live at peace with absolutely everybody. I, I, wanted, I wanted you to see there's a difference in wisdom. There's a wisdom that's earthy and earthly and sensual and demonic. And then there's one that's from him. You need to be searching his wisdom. And he loves to give out his wisdom. Do you think he wants his wisdom lacking here on earth? No, he wants it absolutely flooded with his wisdom. But you ask for it and he gives it to you generously. But here's the key, you gotta do what he says. That's where the obedience comes in line. Let's get back to his giving nature. If you lack wisdom, ask, and he gives it. He gives it. Let's continue to look at his giving nature. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he, finish it, he gave, he's giving. Last Sunday, so that I make the Sundays kind of merge together. Uh, Ephesians four eleven. I told you about gifts. And uh, specifically here, it's talking about leadership gifts to the church, but he loves the church so much that he gave gifts to the church. Do you see? And I emphasize his giving nature. He's a good father because he gives. Now I'm horrible. I am absolutely horrible at celebrating holidays or really celebrating anything. I'm not good at it. So don't go, oh yes you are. I am not, I'm horrible at it. In fact, uh, yesterday I was talking to Laura, our daughter, lives in Austin, Texas. And uh, she said, well, Dad, I'll call you tomorrow. I said, don't worry about it, sissy. I said, you don't need to call me tomorrow because I just don't want to get in all that jacked up stuff. You know what I'm saying? And, and I said, you don't have to call me tomorrow. It's okay. I know that you love me. And she goes, well, I do. And then I said, if you really loved me, you would move from Austin back to Kentucky. I said... I didn't say that. I thought it. I didn't say it, but I thought it. Uh, so I, I'm not. I'm just not good. But I want to be good at giving. And at, at our home, if you know the Eaton home, and some of you know our the Eaton family very well. Some of you don't know us well at all. But uh, I usually give my kids Christmas presents around Thanksgiving because I've usually got it. And then we hide it, right? You know, put it somewhere, leave it at a neighbor's house or whatever. And uh, I, I, I'd have it and I'd be going, you know, it's, it's November, it's October. Why would I make them wait all these months? 
And so I just went ahead and I would give, it's pretty traditional in our family, I'd give you a Christmas present and Thanksgiving and then end up giving you something else for Christmas, you know, on top of that. I, I, I want to be a father and a grandfather that gives. My granddaughters had a little roadside stand where they had colored tiles uh, as coasters and they had them at the end of their street. And, uh, and so Papa G went down and bought everyone they had, you know? And I know you'd do the same. Listen, we have, a, we have a good father and he has a giving nature to us. A giving nature. I want you to see that today. James 1, 13 through 15. James is beginning to compare and show you how good our heavenly father really is. But before he gets to how good he really is, he wants to show you what sin actually does. And then he's gonna show you how good our Heavenly Father actually is. I'm gonna spend a little bit of time here and I wanna be, be working with you on this. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God. For God is not tempted by evil. And he himself doesn't, you see that, tempt anyone. Now just leave that there, Miles. And here's, here's the case. Uh, we can all be pranksters. I've been a prankster. You have too. I probably still am. And uh, like during Bible school, I was uh, playing dodgeball with some of the kids and they didn't know whether to hit the preacher or not. And so one of them's just standing there. I go, watch that hole right there. And I just, I just plowed him right in the face with the ball, you know. So, and there obviously wasn't a hole there. And he just looked down and looked. And I go, this is too easy, you know, just boom. And, and the enemy, you remember the old trick? We've all done it. You know, watch his hand, watch his hand. And then you hit him with this one. Here's something, and it, it, it's going to sound so simple that you're going to go, why didn't I think of that? But one thing the enemy does is when the world, when the world rolls you, you're going through difficult times and seasons of your life and it's life. You remember the Lord said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough, what? Trouble of its own. And so the enemy knows that the world just takes us through difficult times. But the enemy will get you to thinking that God has done that to you. And he'll, he'll the world has done it to us and he'll get you to believe in God has done it to you and you'll get mad at God. It's just a real simple, look at this, look at this, boom, he hits you with that. And look at it here. God does not tempt us with evil and neither is he tempted by evil. And he, he, doesn't, he doesn't tempt anyone. You're going, well, what does God do? Well, God will test us. God tests our faith. It's okay. We, we all need that. We need that check. We need that accountability. We need that balance. He'll test our faith, but he'll never tempt you with evil. You got that? Y'all hear that? You're going, well, that's not the way I believe. Well, this is his word. He doesn't tempt you with evil. But verse 14, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away. Let me stop there. I'm one of those preachers. 
that tells you, I'm, I'm not going to church because I just don't feel like it today. And then next Sunday, it's something else. And next Sunday, it's something else. And I'm going to tell you, you he'll, he wants to draw you away from the presence of God, the worship of God, the people of God. He wants to move you away. He'll have you drifting away. And when he gets you away, then it's bullseye all over you. Do you see that? But each person is tempted when they are, we are drawn or isolated away. And we're enticed by, uh, by his own or our own evil desires. And the word enticed there has a picture of a lure being in front of a fish. And I just want to tell you, Satan has never had to change his tackle box. What he used back in the day of James, he's still using today. You know why? Because we still bite it. I was uh, trolling for uh, hybrid, hybrid bass in Taylorsville Lake. Uh, Andrew was little. We had a boat full of, of boys, and we're trolling. And, and, uh, and I've got my rod out, and, man, I'm catching fish after fish. After, and I'm not that great of a fisherman. I'm just reeling them in and reeling them in. And so I was using a rattle trap. You know what a rattle trap is if you know anything about bait. And somebody's like, well, what bait are you using? I said, just no rattle trap. And they said, well, how'd, why'd you pick that one? This is the truth, okay? This is the truth. Uh, I, I said, well, I looked in my tackle box and I said, if I were a fish, I'd eat that one right there. <laughs> That's how I picked it. I looked at it and I thought, I'd, out of all these lures, I'd eat that one. And so I put it on there and I was reeling them in like crazy. Uh, and l listen, he's never had to change his tackle box since the day of James to even now. He knows what lures to put in front of women. He knows what lures to put in front of men. He knows what lures to put in front of children. Uh, are you all getting this? Okay, he knows, and he, he will entice you with evil desires. Don't, we're, what happens first? We drift away. You may not agree with that. I've been doing this for 37 years. It's a fact. He will drift you away from the worship of God, the people of God, the house of God, and get you isolated, and then he'll dangle those lures in front of you until you bite and strike, and then he has you. Amen? You believe that? Surely to goodness, we've got, we've got hook, mouths, hook, hook marks in our mouth, you know, uh, from all this, and, and then it happens. Now, watch what happens. Watch what happens in verse 15. I call this the steps to disaster. Then after desire, we, and after, in other words, we've taken the lure. We've made a decision. I'm, and we're talking about sinful disobedience. And we've snatched it. I, I'm picturing a big old bass, right? When that, when, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin matures, because it does, it gives birth to death. Do you see that? Conception, birth, maturity, and then death. Do you see that? Now, here, here's where our Heavenly Father is so good. And I want you to see this. He came to mess up that entire process. He came to do it. Now, let me give you an illustration out of my life as a little boy. I shared this just, just in... Uh, 
Justin Ross, who, who they, he and Ashley and the, and the kids are in Thailand, and they're in the process of planting a church in Thailand. We're a little bit involved in that. We will be involved in that more. Uh, and we were chatting this week, and he's telling me sermons that I preached. And I was going, are you sure I preached that? You know, I'm, I, di I didn't really remember them. We got to talking about this verse. And I said, Justin, I want to share with you a story from my childhood that when, I, when, my, when I'm here, this story out of my childhood makes me understand verse 15. So maybe it'll help you. But I mowed yards as a boy. Uh, my dad didn't give me money. If I, had, if I put gas in my Yamaha uh, dirt bike, I had to pay for it. I had to pay for the dirt bike. Uh, I bought my racket horse, Bob. Clever name, isn't it? And uh, for a horse, I mean, I, I, my dad didn't give me things. I had to go earn them, and it's fine. He, he was fine in doing that. Don't go thinking, man, your dad was hard on you. My dad was good to me. But I would mow yards, and back then it was push mowers, a long time ago. And I can remember uh, way before Kroger or any, any grocery store handled plastic, you had brown, brown paper bags, right? And they came at different sizes. And this was a smaller size brown paper bag, and it was in the yard that I was mowing. Well, I, I was in one of those moods, and the right thing to do would be to pick up your yard before you mow it. Okay, I'm not getting a whole lot of agreement out of that, but I, okay, that's the right thing to do. Let's just pick the trash up out of the yard and get it done. But we don't do that all the time. And being a little kid, I'm thinking, eh. And so if you're really good with a mower, you will adjust the way your mower blows and instead of picking it up, you'll mow it over two more lanes. You'll blow it over there. You know what I'm saying? And then you don't have to, and then if you get real good, you'll blow it over on the neighbor and you don't have to fool with it at all. Now, I'm not saying as an adult I should do that, but a kid thinks that way. So I didn't want to fool with that, that old sack. And the right thing to do would just be pick it up, put it in my pocket and throw it away later. I just didn't want to fool with that. And I, I, I kept blowing it over and blowing it over and just so I wouldn't have to fool with it. And then this mysterious wind comes up and blows that, that bag right underneath my mower. So I, I no longer have a bag to pick up. I've got a thousand pieces to pick up, right? Now look at this verse for a moment. I, I think the brown paper bag is sin. And if I would have just picked it up and dealt with it and gone on, everything would have been better. But no. We want to play with it, don't we? We want to mess around with it. And it gives birth to more sin. That wind, put that thing underneath that mower, and I've got to get a rake out. It's everywhere. I'm twice as mad, three times as mad, mad at anybody that drives by, mad at my mama who says something. You understand what I'm saying? You, when you let sin, when you bite that lure, it's gonna give birth to a lot more sin. It opens the door, it's conceived, it gives birth to sin, sin fully grown, it, it, it becomes a lot of stuff that you gotta be able to handle and it gives birth to death. 
You just need to see that we have a God who has made a way for us. Let me tell you in a moment, I'll tell you more how valuable we are, and I'll reiterate this in a moment, but the, the key here is he knows this will cost you and what this will do to you, and he wants to stop that process. He wants to intervene in those steps and you're going, well, what did it cost him? It cost the heavenly father, his very own son. That's how much it costs you to stop that process. You see that? No amens? Come on, what a good father we have that has given us a way of escape in this. He came to absolutely destroy, verse 15. And he sent his only son to be able to do it. Look at uh, verse uh, 16, James 1, 16. Don't be deceived, my dearly loved brothers. And I'm gonna talk about Satan here for a moment and you're gonna go, Satan's not in the verse. His name's not in the verse. Well, his name may not be in the verse, but he's in the verse. Do you see where he's in the verse? It's in the word deceived because that's what he does is deception. God's gifts do not produce sinful behavior in us. God's gifts bring life and fruit to us. Any of us or anybody else is in a dangerous zone. I want you to, I'm gonna say this line twice. When we attribute sinful behavior, sinful actions or sinful expressions, if we express that God is the author of those sinful expressions, you are in a dangerous, dangerous place. Because he is not the author of a wisdom that is earthy, earthly, sensual, or demonic. If you, if you are in a sinful situation and you attribute that he is the author of it, you're in a scary spot. Scary, scary spot. Don't be deceived because the world is going to send things our way. Tough times, seasons we never ask for, and he's gonna get you to blame God for it. It's a trick of the enemy. What do I have to do? You and I have to trust him. Through every season of our life, you have to trust him. He, he is a good, good father. He gives us truth. He will never deceive us, ever will he deceive us. James 1.17, where we started. This is where he does the comparison. Remember 13 through 15, he says he's not tempted by evil. He doesn't tempt us and he doesn't tempt us with evil. Uh, so here's where James starts to show you what a good father he is. Instead of evil and steps to disaster, uh, the father, everything he gives you is good and generous and complete in him. He gives well. From a biblical picture, it comes down. Do you see that? Remember in, a while ago we handled wisdom and said that his wisdom uh, I mean, earthly wisdom, sensual wisdom, demonic wisdom doesn't come from above. It comes really from below, which would be hellish. So here he's saying it comes down and it comes down from the father of lights. 
the only place James ever calls our heavenly father, the father of lights. But it's in tradition of what people there would have gotten what he said. Me and you, we have to study it. They would have known exactly what he was referring to when he said that uh, it's coming down and, and all these good, generous things that happen to us come down from the, from the father, from the father of lights. Listen, I don't believe in luck. I don't believe in it. In fact, I'll hardly ever say it to you. I don't believe in it. Uh, I believe faith in God and hard work and opportunity will get you everywhere you need to go in that order. I don't put work and opportunity. Faith in the Lord and, and where hard work meets opportunity, I don't believe in luck. I do believe in blessing. I love it when I get to the prayer. You may not even like the prayer we start with, but I do. And when I, I love the part where I ask that you to pray blessings over people beside you and over your family, no matter where they are. That's my favorite part. Amen. I love to see people blessed. And so when he calls him the father of lights here, in a reference to him, here's what they would have known. It is a reference to the sun and the moon and the stars. Look at Psalm 136, seven through nine. He made the great lights, his love is eternal. The sun to rule by day, his love is eternal. The moon and the stars to rule by night, his love is eternal. When he said father of lights to his audience, they would have gotten exactly what they referring to because our heavenly father has creative and creation power. That's one reason we go to him. And what they are saying here is that the heavens change. This is the comparison. Now, Satan and the way that he draws you away and drifts you away and entices you has not changed. He's using the same tackle box and the same tackle he's used all along. You and I think we're living in new days. You just need to read the Old Testament in a lot of things. Uh, these days that we're living in, we're going on then too in Scripture. So the, the picture here is that he made the, all of this, the sun, the moon, and the stars. It's his handiwork. We all love it when we can get away from street lights and city lights, camping out or hiking and just see it in its majesty. We all love that. Every one of us love to be able to see that. But here is where James takes this teaching and drives it home. The seasons change. The hemisphere will change. We're moving we're moving into uh, summer solstice. It'll be Wednesday. Meteorological summer happens around Memorial Day, but actual summer, summer solstice happens this Wednesday. And Wednesday, isn't Wednesday the longest daylight day of the year coming up? I mean, it's gonna sit, what, well after nine o'clock or whatever. And it changes. It won't be long till there'll be a fall season and a winter season. And our whole hemisphere will change. You'll be seeing different constellations in those seasons than you see them right now. So what is James trying to say? That he made this beautiful handiwork, but it changes, but God never does. God doesn't change. 
It says about the Lord, he is the same today, yesterday, and forever. You, you, and seasons change. Our body changes. Medical science says every five years, our body is renewed in some capacity. I think mine's behind a couple of 10 years or whatever, but, but we... But it changes. Our times change. You, you may even say to me, preacher, you know, we're moving into the 21st century. And listen to me. Culture will do that to us now. The church needs to catch up to the culture. Times have changed. Thoughts have changed. Expressions have changed. And, and, and James would amen that. But he would say, God never changes. God never changes. I remember growing up, when there was nothing open on a Sunday. And when I say nothing, I mean nothing. You're going, there wasn't a convenience store open. There was nothing open. No gas station, no grocery store, zero. I can remember my mom and dad contemplating, you know, the weekend's coming up. We better go fill the car up. And you filled it up on Friday or Saturday or you didn't fill it up at all. Nothing. You couldn't go buy anything. And you're going nothing. I, I, I mean, I even think the emergency room made you wait till Monday, you know? Uh, so, I, I mean, nothing was open. I, I remember those days. I remember we had to plan it out. Some of you all understand what I'm talking about. Times have changed. Is it like that today? Oh, goodness, no. Times have changed. Seasons changed. Our bodies change. God never changes. And the, the point of it, it's what he said what he said, it's going to be exactly like he said. And the, the tougher the times get and the more of a changing culture that happens, the more you and I have got to be drawn to the word of God. I, I wasn't going to say this. Gosh, I didn't say this to the first service, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. I said it to, the, to our team a while ago. I, I just deactivated Facebook. I'm off of it. I, I want you to know it's the greatest liberation I've been to. One of our board members, Dudley's back there in the back. I went and told Dudley about it. I said, I'm done with it. I'm off. Here's what happens. People post things and they think I know about it and I don't know about it. And they want to communicate to me through Facebook. And th just this week alone, people in line with me have said, well, I'm sure you read that on Facebook. I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's the most liberating thing I have done in forever. I'm telling you. And I, I, I was reading a, a this, this happened even before Bible school, right about the bet. I was reading, what are you a slave to? What controls you? And I just got off of it. I thought, if you want me to know, you'll, let, you'll, find, you'll find me. I'm not that hard to find. I'm 6'5", you know, 185 pounds, and I, I'm easy to see. And... Uh, uh, I'm just checking to see if you were listening. Uh, and and uh, I, I'm easy to find. I'm easy to get a hold of. You know the church office. Uh, you understand? If you really want me to know, you'll come tell me. Because uh, some people post things, don't they? And they have expectations that we know when actually we may not. I'm just going to tell you, it's been awesome. It's absolutely been awesome. And my, my, point, my point that I want to tell you in that is, when I was reading the things that can have you in control is, and I've said it to you many times, we run to some other things 
and we don't run to the Father. And he designed us. You know where I'm going? He designed us what? To run to him. And that's where we've got to go. That's why you're going to hear that as a running theme in my life. Uh, over and over and over and over. Things change around us, but he never changes. James 1.18. This is so beautiful here. I hope you get as excited about this as I do. But he, he said his choice... He gave. You see the word gave? He gave us a new birth. We're able to be born again. That's salvation talking here. John 3, you must be born again. 1 Peter chapter 1, we are born and begotten again by God. He, uh, he gives us a new birth. And I want you to know that's our greatest gift that we can ever have is the fact that we can be made new in and through Christ if I never receive another blessing in my life. The fact that he gave me salvation is the only blessing that I need. Now, he's gonna give us more blessing, but if he doesn't, the fact that he saved me is all the blessing that I need the word of God and the work of God. And we're gonna sing in just a moment that Jesus is our only hope. But he said, so that we would be his first fruits. Do you, you know what that means? He, he, he's a giving God, but he even gave to himself. And you know what he gave to himself? Us. You just think about that for a moment. See that? so that we would be the first fruits of his creation out of all he made. You know what he made for him? Me and you. Just let that weigh on you. He's a good, good father. He made us. Let's run to him more. It might be Christmas, but he may give it to you at Thanksgiving. You know? He loves you. You, so that we would be the first fruits of his creatures. Amen. That's who we are. And we need to live like it, not going to sin and everything else. We are his gift. And his salvation to us is our greatest gift. I, uh, I sometimes get on Logan because I let him preach. He doesn't let me sing. <clears throat> and uh, really, nor should he. But I put the doxology up here. We're not going to sing it. We're just going to walk through it uh, together. And you can. You can sing it if you want to. That's fine with me. But I, I, on, on, uh, this is a way for us to say Happy Father's Day to our Heavenly Father. This is a way for us to say it. And I grew up with the doxology. It means glory. The word doxo means glory uh, to God. And, but I, it was when they brought the offering back up to the main table in the altar, right? Uh, and I know it by heart. So I'm gonna ask you to stand with me and then we'll move into our invitation. And uh, if you wanna sing it, you have at it. Uh, I'm, just gonna, we're gonna, I'm just gonna say it. But let's let this be our prayer of thanks and let's let this be the way that we express Happy Father's Day to our Heavenly Father. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. 
Amen. The invitation is this. Whosoever will, for whatever reason, you come. Counselors, come find your spot. The team's going to lead us, and you come and you respond. Robert, you come. Yeah.